Radio Pochito, Radio Pochito, Radio Pochito, Radio Pochito, Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 180 with Stacy DeMarco, the modern witch, founding member of the Australian Psychics Association board member of the Pagan Awareness Network, spirited, helpful, and the creator of multiple magnificent oracle decks. Join the team as we get to know the Valkyrie priestess from down under. Well met, Stacy. Hi, how are you? We're doing all right. Hopefully you don't mind being called a Valkyrie priestess. I figured that was rather hodgepodge, but it kind of sums up how <laughs> I imagine you. <laughs> well, actually, I, actually, I'm a priestess of Artemis, but that is okay. I'll take Valkyrie priestess any day of the week. Thank you. Word. Artemis is what's up. Um, we'll have to get into this. So something we do at the beginning of these podcasts is uh, correlate the episode numerologically to a reduced major arcana. And Raphael discusses what Galactic Heritage card from another deck that would be. And 180, which is where we're at now, uh, you're number nine, which is the Hermit card. But in the David D'Angelo Starman Tarot deck, um, who did the David Bowie Starman Tarot deck, he's been on a few times. Shout out, David. Uh, it's the Alien, which I think is highly appropriate given your Aquarian nature. It says, I bring back knowledge from distant places, the Alien or the Hermit card. This is about knowing your worth, knowing you're perfect the way you are, being free, seeking answers within you, going deeper and understanding more of the universe, but ultimately taking the time to do something you've never done before. Raphael, what would the Galactic Heritage card for 180 be? We are at number 72 in this case. It is a nine. It says, Vega, spiritual commitment, future timeline. In modern times, very often we only make a spiritual commitment when we are in pain. When the pain goes away, we become busy with the distractions of life and no longer remember our commitment. The vegans never lost their spiritual commitments and wove them into their everyday lives in so many enriching ways. This card asks you to look honestly at your spiritual commitments. How can you strengthen them no matter whether you're feeling pain or joy? Go deep within and find a longing to be one with the universe. Remember that longing and your commitment can begin there. So, Stacy, I'm kind of curious if either the Hermit card or, in this case, the Alien card or that 72, rather synchronistic number, um, Vega card resonated with you in any way? I think both of them did. Um, the first one, you know, as you say, you know, it's the Aquarian nature to be slightly apart but also weirdly connected to everything so um you know i get called a hermit <laughs> as you know by people uh often because you know as a writer it's a very uh solitary thing you do um unless you're sort of part of a writing team or something for you know screenplays or you know that kind of thing but it's a you, you tend to be quite a hermit while you're producing. Well, I do anyway. So I really love the first card. The second card, I think, is a big truth bomb. Um, you know, a lot of people do find a spiritual path or they look for the higher power, God, slash, you know, whatever it is that you are looking for when one is in pain, when things aren't working. Um, but I think the thing that, uh, I try and teach and, and show in all my work is that we don't have to be on our knees in pain to be devoted uh, to 
something bigger than ourselves. In fact, I think where the um, the big stuff starts to happen, um, the big life, uh, spiritual life starts to happen is when you are weaving, you know, your spiritual practice and practice as a verb uh, into your everyday life and life is great because of it. That's what's up. Yeah, I think it's ironic um, that those cards would come up just because uh, and, and this is where projections happen to stuff. Like, I, I don't know you personally, obviously. Mm. I became mm. aware of you after buying, I was, like I said, I was in Gold Coast, Australia for three months. And yeah. I bought your Divine Animal Oracle deck uh, down there. And uh, fabulous addition to my readings. I love it so much. And um, adds just a dimension. I'm a vegan. I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. All this kind of yeah. stuff. Not that I push that on anybody. But I'm like, oh, I need some animal magic up in my life. And it was some of the best art. And the readings themselves, like the descriptions and stuff, uh, very illuminating. There's so many things. You know, how many seahorse breeds or, you know, species are there left? Yeah. Uh, this kind of stuff. Like just crazy data. So that's how I became aware of you. Um, yeah. You actually have a shit ton going on. It's not like <laughs> this is one deck. Like I'm, you know, I'm the noob on your scene in a sense. Um, but so it's like I like I said, I've, it's not like I've done a whole lot of research on you. What I even wrote up in that blip I saw from Google. It's like that. Yeah. I'll keep it real. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. crazy. So um, do me a favor, and you could be as you know long winded or short winded oh. as you prefer. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be call me Ishmael or anything. But like, um, tell me kind of where you're where you started and how you got to where you are now with yeah. whatever you might throw in and we'll just kind of uh peck at you like odin's ravens as we go along oh i love it you know talking about odin's ravens i'm i uh i kind of have a house like a hermit of course uh sitting on a cliff and um i have a lot of birds around me because of that and recently i've had hoogan and moogan uh odin's ravens move in so um you may actually hear them they're very loud today so um that's very funny that you mentioned that um, i saw two ravens earlier this morning when i was walking around my lake and two <laughs> eagles it might have been the same bald eagle i'm in colorado it might have been wow. the same eagle but i saw a bunch of powerful birds and i have seen that barry the that one bird oh was my, on your... my brush turkey yes so people if you really want to see what an australian brush turkey looks like and he's named after Barry White because, you know, Waka Waka, he's, he's got it going and he's got all the girls coming to his mound. So uh, come to my Facebook page and have a look at, <laughs> at Barry at work. Um, but I've I'm, never I'm, seen bird work like that, quite frankly. I was like, that's crazy. Oh, he's he's amazing. Uh, brush turkeys, thankfully, are um, on their way back in. You know, I'm, I'm really delighted. Just before I get into, you know, talking about me. Talk um, about whatever you want. Like, but, yeah, I do want to know about you, but Barry is cool. Barry is cool. And and I just want to thank you for I really am delighted that you've come. You found my work through the Divine Animal Deck because you can see, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I love animals as well. I'm almost vegan. I can't call myself vegan because I actually keep bees. I, um, I, I think having pollinated. It's interesting. That, okay, so that's something I don't have a trouble with. I'm not a militant vegan. I'm just like oh, I saw basically I saw a PETA video I'm on acid. Vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we, we I, care I for animals. Bees. Yeah, I keep bees and, um, you know, I've never even been stung by one of my own bees and, you know, so, so, but, you know, some people are like, oh, you can't be vegan because you, you have bees and, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, then I'm vegetarian or whatever you want to call it. But um, the, it's really lovely that you've come in on probably my, my most nerdy deck uh, because you can see 
um, the way, it's probably a good way of seeing how I work, right? So I kind of believe that a spiritual practice, it can be an intellectual practice, right? You don't have to sort of have an open, like I've always believed you have an open mind, but not open enough that your brain falls out so that, you know, you can, you can mix this, this weaving, which is a very Aquarian thing, of course, of practical and esoteric, right? That you can, you can cast incredible magic, but you can also have your feet in the ground, which is really what a pagan pathway is. So, which probably leads me into where I, I've sort of started. Um, I guess a little bit about me, um, or I, I, I guess I've always been a nerd, what you would call a nerd from, from a kid, you know, from, from a small kid, really into. I'm Ravenclaw, don't sweat it. <laughs> <laughs> really into mythos as a kid, you know, so like I came from a, quite a poor background. And so my mum was smart enough, my mum and dad were smart enough to go, all right, well, we don't have a lot of money. We can certainly do the best we can with educating you. So um, I went to my local public library a lot and um, loved that. And it was free, of course. And the museums where we, I am in Sydney are also free. So some of the things that I just loved, um, you know, it all sort of started very, very early. So reading and mythos and you know, ancient history, um, you know, I was reading Herodotus when I was like seven or eight, you know, like just because it was cool. Norse, you know, history, you know, all that kind of stuff I kind of discovered really early. Um, and then I had this sort of like um, love of animals as you talk about, you know, there, Jim, and you kind of decide, oh, nature is really great. So I I would spend a lot of time in nature. Um, that really didn't change. But as I got into my teen years and um, I kind of decided maybe the corporate life was for me, so I became sort of uh, I went into PR and lobbying and, and journalism and all of that, but very quickly kind of went to the dark side, which is sort of running um, – you know, uh, PR campaigns for really big organisations, big corporate organisations. And so um, I got to be about sort of 26, 25, 26, and kind of realised I was making, uh, I can't, I can't, I'm an Australian, I want to curse really badly. So I, uh, a lot of money. Feel free. <laughs> oh, okay. So a shitload of money. And at a really early age, and from the outside, I kind of look like, this really successful person, for example, working for, I work for a big record company and I work with, you know, big music celebrities and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it looked like from the outside, it looked incredible. Okay. But from the inside, I'm going, oh my God, this is so empty. And I don't want to end up like a lot of these people who are really a lot of fame, a lot of external gratification but nothing much going on inside and I work for very male-dominated companies and so often I was the only woman in management which was really lonely and really hard back then. There was no sort of me too, if you know what I mean. So um, I kind of decided maybe, and this is the way I think, maybe I need to get some religion or spirituality. I need to fill that gaping big hole that's in the middle of me 
And uh, I didn't realize that there was kind of a spiritual practice around nature. I didn't know that. I come from a, you know, sort of, you know, I come from Australia, which at the time, you know, is very sort of white bread, Christian, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we have, you know, we're starting to get other religions in, but nothing huge. So I kind of thought, all right, I'll go out on a, I'm a, I'm a seeker, I'll go out and look. So I kind of checked out all the major religions and kind of thought, you know, like, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, liked a lot of that. But am I a Buddhist? No, right? So I, I kept looking. And then one day I read um, just sort of by accident one of Starhawk's books, right, um, the, spiral, the Spiral Path, and realised, oh, my God, there's a, there's still a religion around this or, a, you know, a spiritual practice, not a religion, but a spiritual practice, a pagan spiritual practice. So I began to look at all the different pagan practices, you know, neo-pagan practices, heathens, you know, paganism as a whole, realised that, you know, many Indigenous or, you know, if we look at paganism being uh, earth honouring as a broad umbrella term, you know, I realised all the Indigenous practices came in under that. So I found myself teachers that were, you know, First Nations of Australia, First Nations of New Zealand, First Nation, um, Ameri you know, a couple of American um, First Nations people, First Nations Inuit. So I went looking. I actually spent every single spare dollar on my holidays, and Australia is a long way from you guys, with teachers looking for looking for what what is this practice? What is this process? And then realised that, you know, at the end of it that, oh, my God, maybe the witchcraft path, which is the Indigenous practice of Europe, um, maybe that is my pathway. And so, you know, without boring you, I kind of went down that rabbit hole <laughs> um, and and realised that and did training and realised that, you know, um, paganism well, that's not boring so like what event yeah. like was really triggering for you because i was kind of uh my yeah. connection was really poor so it was kind of choppy and i didn't want to interrupt yeah. oh, you sorry, um, no. not your issue my internet not yours um i was kind of curious what mythos is that you were here reading as a kid or whatever mm. were resonating to a deep level that might because i've always read greek stuff and been like was yeah. that a greek in a past life or something what's going on here yeah um, look i think there's a whole bunch of us i think it's kind of in the collective consciousness you know like we're kind of we're born with a you know, I, I have a firm belief that we're born with certain information that's in there in the genes and, you know, it gets expressed or it doesn't, but we kind of have a knowingness of some story. So mythos to me, you know, I use the term mythos rather than myth because myth has come to be this lie. You know, if you say, oh, that's myth, that means it's bullshit, whereas mythos means a story with a truth. So when I was a kid, uh, the first thing, of course, I read was the Greek myths, you know, because that's the first thing the librarian gave me here. You might like these stories. And I was really in love with Artemis, a young girl, because I really saw that, you know, the whole thing with Artemis is that she runs with the animals in the forest. She wears the short sort of chiton. She's athletic. You know, as I grew, you know, bigger, I grew as a young young teenage girl, I was really tall, really skinny, um, kind of athletic, 
Um, you know, like I grew <laughs> I grew into an atomistic looking, you know, young girl. And it's kind of gave me the confidence, for example, when I read her stories, that it's okay to be different. It's okay to run free in the forest. It's okay to want um, different things than other people might want, you know, like the beautiful stories of her and Zeus talking about her future, you know, for example. And, you know, Animus saying, you know, sorry, Zeus saying, oh, you know, I, I want to reward you. You're such a great daughter. How about... I find you a god, a really handsome god you can marry because, you know, every girl wants to get married. Every girl wants, you know, that sort of stuff. And she sort of in horror goes, oh, Dad, uh, no, um, how about you give me something I really want? And he's like, oh, okay, well, what do you really want? And she said, well, I would like to be able to run free in the forest for the rest of my life without anyone bothering me if that's okay with you, Right. Um, right, know, it's like I, a proto-feminist kind of archetype. Yes, and don't forget we are talking about a a, uh, a culture that ne- wasn't necessarily like that. So, you know, this is a very different kind of story. This is an incredibly different kind of story. So, you know, so I read the Greek, I read the Roman, uh, then um, the librarian gave me the Norse. I was going to say, uh, it seems like runes played and like the Nordic kind of mythos uh, yeah. played a large part in your kind of uh, shape. Yeah. And also, you know, it was about that time too that, um, you know, you might begin to look at, you know, where do your family come from? You know, like where's, you know, what's your background? Um, uh, you know, I I found out that we um, we have a lot of Scandinavian, a lot of far, you know, um, like the Faroes, the Shetlands, we've still got, we've got some family there. So we realized, you know, oh my God, there's a whole bunch of, you know, Viking genes, not just the crazy Irish that we thought, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have, we have that too. So that kind of led me into asking the librarian, oh, is there any of these stories like for these other cultures? And, you know, of course, wonderful librarians they're they're fantastic you know they're like of course he's a kid that is interested so she gave me um copies would you believe of the prose edda you know at i probably was i don't know nine or ten and said this is the stories of the of thor and odin and you know check out freya you might like freya and i'm like oh okay and so I knew all these stories really, you know, in a very basic way, uh, really early, and they stick with you, I think. Um, and so, you know, for me, if I want guidance, you know, I, I tend to go to the ancient world for it, you know, like because there's not a lot of stuff that, you know, like, I, I, for example, you know, I'm, I'm also Stoic, right, so Stoic philosophers, so those of you who, who are enjoying Stoic philosophy, there's a re- sort of revival of, of Stoic philosophy out there. And, you know, I, I put up, a, as you know, quotes on Stoic philosophy up on my page and, and people are kind of like, oh, I thought Tony Robbins said that or I thought Maya Angelou said that. And I'm like, oh, they're amazing teachers, but... Uh, Seneca said it first or Marcus Aurelius said this first you know so I think for me it was the ancient world that gave me this opportunity to try and kind of learn something I don't know weave together something you know a bit different 
that that I could take this old stuff and weave it together somehow in a very modern way. And that that's what I wanted to do. Once I kind of realised that the sort of pagan path was the way that I wanted to live, the, the way I wanted to, to uh, express myself and begin to write and, you know, do all that sort of thing, I realised that um, there was a great opportunity. I mean, my first book was is 20 years ago now, Jim, you know, like the, the first book I wrote has been out for 20 years. So, you know, I think there is a, a kind of, um, that you know, there's a, there's a kind of sort of need within me or, or something I really like to do is weave the ancient stuff with the modern. I'm imagining that uh, Athena approved uh, to the degree <laughs> that, you know, she's all about yeah. the weaving stuffs. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, I might just ask Buckshot questions, Raphael. Obviously, if you have any kind of questions, feel free to ask. And Stacey, if you have any questions, mm. feel free to ask because it's kind of just a shooting gallery. I, th- I like to think of the podcast as something like uh, Bart Simpson in a treehouse with a bong. I don't smoke now, but it's like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just chill and talk. Like, like yeah. it's a school bus, like Harry Potter with Hermione and uh, Ron. So, um, Okay, so it sounds like you kind of got turned on some pretty hardcore stuff. The prose edda, that stuff's yep. gnarly. I haven't read it. My awareness of you know the whole Nordic kind of pantheon uh, and yep. situation is through Neil Gaiman, which is actually yeah. he's got a good book. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Marvel stuff, but that's not quite it. So um, I'm kind of wondering what your ontological presupposition is and like your worldview in terms of like, are you looking at um, are we projecting our own story onto things? Are these uh, are these real spirits? Are you more animated? Okay, we have you know many languages kind of covering mm. over certain archetypal mm. you know things. Or is like you know uh, there's no wrong answer. I'm just kind of curious. Sometimes mm. I'm like, oh, Athena is a frequency or whatever, yeah. right? As yeah. opposed to like well, it's yeah. a person. Um, having met Egyptian deities on DMT and had some weird out-of-body astral yeah. projection experiences. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of it. I just know there's a lot more to the picture than meets the eye, but I don't know how, how much of it is like a Jungian projection in terms of like I'm coloring the story with what my subconscious mm. fills it with or mm. if these things are like objectively real to you. Like how do you look at that? It's super interesting. I love your, I love that question because I think like like if I was going to put one big one big you know, uh, overall answer to that is we don't know. And isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, you know, in, in artemistic, um, you know, uh, priestess work in, in like you're saying Egyptian magic, all that kind of stuff, everyone talks about um, everything being alive, right? You know, everything is connected, everything is alive, okay? Do I think... Athena is a person or, you know, like the way we think. No, I think that this is the way I see it and this is neither wrong nor there's right. There's no wrong answer. You yeah, don't have to no sweat it. Right. I'm not trying to pin you so, down. No, no. So, so for me, I think they are thought forms. They're something in the collective consciousness that is incredibly powerful. So, you know, um, yes, we could definitely, it's very Jungian. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that... Um, this idea of the hero's journey, because there is almost a hero's journey in every every god or goddess in some way. They do something, they overcome something. I think that is very much part of the groove of being human. Um, do I, I think that the way I call them is an energy a thought form, 
Um, so if you think about thought forms, um, you know, like Neil Gaiman talks about in um, what's the book on the gods that he's done? Um, gosh. Probably American Gods, but American I haven't gods. Yeah. read it. So I love the way, like, I, I laughed and thought, yes, how very pagan of you. The way he talks about gods um, losing power, losing energy, because no one has their names in their mouths. It's like attention-based, right? basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we think about, like, now there's this big revival, like you were talking about the Marvel, you know, like, my God, there's an Australian Thor. Right? Like, we love it. We think it's great, right? Chris Hemsworth and all his Hemsworthness is now Thor. So when people talk, you know, I lecture about Thor, Thor's my patron, I talk about Thor, you know people are just sitting there thinking about Chris Hemsworth as Thor. So right now, does that mean we've added to the energy and thought form of Thor as a god and he now kind of has Hemsworthian, you know, <laughs> detail to him? Perhaps how are we saying that that's wrong or right? Right, people talk about Thor more often now. Right, it's you know they talk about Odin. It seems to be a by, it seems to be a byproduct of like globalized um, culture that has largely. I mean, it's tricky because it hasn't lost its myths, but like postmodern yeah. kind of situation is like you know God is dead, we killed him, Nietzsche kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like all right, so we're filling in the gaps, and it's not that Thor has been replaced, I don't think, but it gives us a kind of um, a a, a, to a totem kind of. Yeah. But, um, you know, to be able to thing, identify you, with. So if you, but here's the thing: if you read about Thor, right, in in the prose Edda, and you read about, and you know, you talk to enough Scandinavian people that you know, through their history, have loved Thor or you know, worship Thor or like Thor, you know, in in their whole culture, Thor was a god of the people. Okay, so Thor wasn't like. Apollo, you know, for example, the Greek Apollo, beautiful and right up there and everyone like the shining beauty, you know, beautific sort of God. Thor was a God of the people. I mean, his, his, his um, chariot was pulled by goats for God's sake, right? So he was a man of the land, um, the average Joe like Thor. The average Joe would make Drink a lot. Yeah, and pretty much a normal everyday guy, right? So this idea now that Thor is kind of out there in the, you know, with everyone, like, you know, everyone knows Thor now, um, sort of out there in the middle public, you know, I, I don't think that's an insult to the God, you know, like I, I don't think that that's a bad thing, right? So we're just adding to it. I mean, there's no insult to it. Where I find we're playing in dicey ground is where we take a God and twist, you know, their original meaning um twist who they are and what they do right and and you know i i'm terrible i get very annoyed by people making up stories about you know gods and goddesses that aren't in line with their their original personality every god and goddess has a shadow and a light side you know and that's how they're, they're designed that, you know, there's great things about this God and there's not so great things about this God, right? So most of them. I mean, some of them are very, very good and some of them are very, very evil, but, you know, on average, right? So The reflective of the people telling the story is well enough that we have light and dark, so therefore... Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, so if you know, if you look at, you know, if you look at, say, the Greek, you know, Hermes, right? Hermes is, is fun, he's a trickster, he's handsome, he can get himself out of any situation, he's a messenger of other gods... 
you know, he can do that in a very serious or funny way, but he's a trickster. He plays that role, you know, that that sort of role in the collective there. And there's other gods like that, Loki and, you know, in the Norse and all of that, right? Almost everyone has a trickster or something, you know, one that's going to give you a bit of mischief. Maui is in the Polynesian. So, you know, there's there's those roles, okay? But But when people kind of twist it to make them not who they originally were um, kind of thought about and and honoured and devoted and, you know, like there's a lot of energy and thought form and offerings and, you know, like I I don't think that that is wise, (laughs) you know, like, yes, we can change a God, you know, or whatever, but when people, like I'll tell you, I was having a conversation with a student this morning, this might be, might help illustrate what I mean. Um, and uh, one of their assignments in this particular course was to write a spell with um, using a deity and um, using elements because it's an elemental uh, magic alchemy course. So they're learning how to layer elemental um, object, you know, like things like earth, air, fire, water, but bigger than that, electricity, um, dark matter, you know, magnetism, pressure, all kinds of elements, right? And they're learning how to do that. But I said, I would like you guys to throw in a, you know, not throw in, but, you know, introduce a deity because, you know, pretty easy, right? The obvious ones would be, oh, okay, I'm working with water here. I'm going to pull in a water god, you know, Poseidon or, you know, or goddess Salacea or, you know, Yamaya, somebody that is rules over that element, right? So I'm just getting people to learn how to layer. So this person decided that she would layer Thor with with three uh, different coloured dragons, right, and, you know, some other things. And I'm like, okay, so help me out with the dragon thing. Why are you doing that? Oh, there's an author who who says that Thor is associated with dragons and blah, 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 and, you know, like I'm like, all right. So I look it up and there's there's absolutely – you know, Thor, Thor is in every, in the Prosetta and all the others. He's against the serpent, right? He fights serpents, right? He doesn't. He's the world serpent, yeah. Oh, right, right. So, see, this is not good. So, so I'm like, where did this person? Like, okay, so I'm I'm tracing it back. Where are you getting this information from? So, this person is basically getting this information from someone who's just made shit up. Okay, a Facebook so not post even, probably. <laughs> right, yeah, who's decided that uh, I'm writing this, you know, thing where I'm linking dragons with with deities. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, all right, nice idea. But there, And there are plenty of deities like, you know, in, in First Nations Australia, we have the rainbow serpent, for example, huge mythos, you know, incredible dream time around that. Um, and gorgeous imagery, you know, really, really, you know, really amazing. So, yes, all these creation myths, great, but Thor, and not only is Thor not related to this at all, he's against them. So for her to put it in a working, you know, firstly, there's a false background, and secondly, there's, like, Thor's only going to It's definitely playing jazz, Right. In a sense, it's like, all right, look, I mean, this is where I, we can talk about this as long yeah. as you want. Um, yeah. So, like, OK, so if there's pure tones of frequency, kind of like we're saying, how yeah. is that established? Is that just through repetition that these 
uh, almost in a Rupert Sheldrick sense, have we etched yeah. into a memory okay. so much that like Thor is this and then adding other things is quote inappropriate. Is that a stylistic choice? Is that actually like I is the dogma the there? Okay. Thing, like inappropriate. I, I, I like it. Right. So this is like, let's say you and I sitting together and in real life and you tell me that you're vegan and I go, okay, cool. And then I come and I give you a present of about four or five big meat steaks from Australia. Okay, we do really good steak in Australia apparently, right, like world over. Now, it's kind of disrespectful, right, because I know that you don't like meat, right? And I'm asking, then I'm going to ask you, Jim, for a favour. So, Jim, I'm giving you some meat here. How about you have me on your show or how about we, you know, we share some time together or how about you, you know, whatever, right? I'm asking you for something. It's not nice, right? It's not good, right? So so if I'm going to ask Jim for a favour, I should find out a little bit about Jim, right? Right? So, so when people work, the most common thing people work with with gods and goddesses right now, it's become sort of a fashion, is they think, that you can just pull up a goddess and God and go, hey, goddess of the water, I want this, you know, to do with the water. I want flow. I want safe journey on the ocean. I want, you know, whatever it is. Um, and thanks very much. Well, the traditional way was you you gave a little present, a little thank you very much for paying attention to me. Now, if I give, if I don't do any research and I give the wrong present, or something that is really insulting, is that is that good? Well, I don't think it is. So in this case, this is kind of one of the drawbacks of postmodernism. I don't think it's like playing jazz because well, jazz is great. I love jazz, but every now and again, jazz sounds very discordant and doesn't work. So maybe maybe it's like that. But I just think there's. I believe that these energies are actually real. Right? I believe that there is these energies there. They're not just made up. Like you said, you, you had a DMT trip and it breaks down certain barriers in your consciousness and there you are. There you see the Egyptian deities, right? So we don't, you know, whether you Which want to... Which was a mind fuck. I wasn't ready right, for that. Totally, for right? I was like, oh, are these real? What's going on here? <laughs> Almost every time I've ever, you know, had a, um altered consciousness trip with plant medicines or anything like that, uh, you know, there's always a higher power. There's always a different entity there that you're going to deal with. And for me, because probably I have, that's the way I understand it in my mind, there are always big energies. There are always a deity that I can recognize, you know, or there are plant energy that I can recognize because I do a lot of work with plants as well, right? So it, I, I guess for me, it's I, I really, if, if people are going to um, add these energies to their, repertoire of of spiritual practice then i think that needs to be uh respected like i said i would never come to you jim with some steak you know and and in in the way that my student had written this spell it was like she was asking for a big energy like thor to play with energies that a don't exist and b if they do exist he doesn't like them right so it's right, kind of right. how how do I want my spell to be? Do I want Thor to be fighting serpents <laughs> in my spell or do I want Thor to help me do what it is that I'm asking, right? And and that's So a Duracell battery and we're cool, right? 
Yeah, yeah. See, I, I look, you know, I've just written, as the latest deck I've written is the Elemental Oracle. Oh, right? it the looks dope, by the way. It looks Oh, fire. thank you. Thank you. I really love, I love the way that, that we put it together with the holographic cover and everything. It's so beautiful. Um, like, super sexy, super Aquarian. It's very yeah, like, yo, here's some space me, like, bay Yeah, and someone stuff. said to me the other day, like, are you like an Aquarian rising, Aquarian, Aquarian, Aquarian? And I'm like, no, I'm not actually. I have a lot of Capricorn in there, uh, you know, so that's the groundedness. Um, but, um, you know, it's... Well, no uh, wonder you're kicking ass in the business world. Yeah. So I came out of that, right? And 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 still, I would say mm, 70% of my clients, Jim, are professional people, business people. Like that's what's we, up, though, because we need these bridge gappers. I mean, not everybody's going to be like um, high high mythos people. And yeah. I, I think that in some way, uh, for better or worse, 11th house Aquarian energy um, yeah. makes things very accessible to others. Uh, yeah. So you're kind of the every man or a woman in this case uh, for um, magic. I mean, that's how I look at it. Like that's, you've made it and very that's accessible. How I want it to be. I want to, I want to, when the first book I wrote was a book called Witch in the Boardroom, right? And I was still in the boardroom when I wrote it. And a funny story, the day before it was due to come out, I had not told anybody, nobody, that I'd written this book and it was going to be published like out in the stores the next day, right? And I was working for a very conservative, big publishing company um, and, you know, was was sort of management. And I had to tell my boss, okay? So I go in and my boss is, you know, a pretty um, down-to-earth Australian, you know, boss who's who's kind of like, you know, like comes from a blue-collar background originally. So, you know. It's like market, market growth and football games. Yeah, maybe. you got it, right? Yeah. right? Love footy, you know. So so you know, you know how it is, right? You know, I love to be, love footy, you know, that sort of stuff. But, you know, it was in corporate. So I, I sat him down and I said, listen, um, I haven't told you this, but like tomorrow – um, you know how I've asked for a day off? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, I've asked for a day off because I'm actually going to be on the morning program. You know, like you guys have Good Morning America or something like that. Well, at the time we had like a morning show like that. I said, I'm actually going to be on a morning show tomorrow. It's like, what for? And I said, oh, I've got a book coming out. And he said, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just didn't want to interrupt work and, you know, blah. He goes, yeah, 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 but like, What's it called? And I said, Witch in the Boardroom. And he goes, oh, is it a children's book? Right? No idea. No idea. Right. Well, no. when you lay it on on the day of, I'm surprised. How did you get, I mean, it seems like you st- even the title of your first yeah. book, how did you start weaving the identities? It seems like you had, a you know, two objects in different hands. And then yeah. at some point you're just like, well, I'm smashing them together. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So I did this thing where um, – and I say this to people that want to transition from one area to another, right? So, so um, I I basically wrote in the evenings after my work, right? So I don't know how I did it, Jim. Like I'm a full-time writer now, you know, and I do other things obviously, but, uh, you know, to do with witch, witchcraft. But this, like I work really long hours and I come home and I'm very disciplined around once I decide to make a, a goal, I, you know, I'm quite disciplined around making it happen. So I would write for a couple of hours after work, five days a week, 
right, to get this thing done, right, because, you know, that's the only way you get a book done is bum glue basically sitting on a chair and writing. Um, But I told no one. And at the same time, because the, the book was I wanted it to have case studies, people that were actually using witchcraft and spells and invocations and witchcraft techniques to get what they wanted, Um, I had to have clients, right? So on Saturday mornings, I would run like, you know, a consult, my my witchcraft consult, right? Um, So I would have people come in as clients and and I would be a professional witch and, you know, they would come in for spell casting and I'd give them spells and off they'd go and do it. And so I did this like, this was literally 18 months of doing that, right? Nobody knew about it. Like, so my boss didn't know, my work didn't know. I was very careful about um, having my witchcraft stuff separate than my corporate. Um, Did you think that was understand or is it like, you know, your baby and I want to keep this safe? Or like, how did you, what was the logic there? Okay, yeah, so both. So uh, like for all you writers out there that might be listening or creative people that might be listening, keep your baby close in the beginning, Right. Keep it, like, protected and close and, you know, you don't need to tell everyone, you don't need to show everyone, you just go and do it, right? Because I can tell you I knew for a fact that if I had said to people, I'm going to, my thing in my mind is I'm going to move to be a full-time writer and um, and I'm going to move from my expensive, you know, corporate world where I'm making good money, um, you know, I'm going to go from there to being a professional witch. Can you imagine? Can you well, that, imagine? that kind of criticism would probably prevent it from being birthed properly Jesus at all. It's kind of what you're saying. I can tell you, definitely, right? But I, at least I kind of had this idea that that would probably happen. Like I had this feeling that if I, it was so ridiculous, like I wasn't just going from that, you know, one corporate world to being another corporate person. I was going to be a witch, right? Which I, I don't know what it's like in the States at the time, but, you know, tw- 25 years ago, 20 it's years like ago. like the craft, you know, it's like yeah, that was right? about the extent so, so, of it. Well, I can tell you when I at told least in my parents, consciousness. When, when I told my parents eventually, who love me and, you know, like, you know, my mother thought I was in a cult, right? Oh, like, sure, drinking cult. blood from Baphomet's head or something crazy. Right, like, what, 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 what? You're going to give up your job? What, what? Like, you know, like, and it wasn't until I, I could give her a copy of my own book, right, where I actually said, hey, um, you know, I want you to read this and then I'll tell you what I'm doing that she understood, right? So <laughs> it was it was strange, you know, really, really strange. Yeah. Well, it seems you've transitioned really well. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it seems like you got, I mean, look, you had a, a childhood where you were kind of integrating high imagination or however you want to put this, like creative thinking um, yeah. through cultural filters. And then um, – you became successful in the business world. Not too surprising if you've got a bunch of Capricorn Aquarius is also co-ruled by Saturn. So you got a lot of Saturnian energy, a lot of like get it done energy. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And you kind of just made it work. It's not surprising to me. I, I mean, I don't know your chart specifically. I do mm. astrology and cards, obviously. Well, I'll have for to fun. get you to do my chart. I oh, hell yeah. Done a long time. So we'll talk. Oh, I've only like... got five stars. Yeah, we got to talk about it because I tend to blow <laughs> people's minds, but I'm here to empower you. It's like, yo, mm. we're on the back of the school bus. You can read this. Mm. You could look, the pop quiz is coming. Here's the cliff notes. Like, it's like that. I don't want people to keep coming back to me and be like, oh, you're the only astrologer. It's like, no, you can do the shit yourself. I mean, that's Gemini life. It's like, Exactly. Yo. That's how I see it. It's a guide. This helps you, right? Like people that are very specific around astrology, but this is, you can hear my Aquarian coming through is don't tell me what to do. You know, like it's, I want, I want you to give me the, the themes. I want you to give me, you know, like it's, it's, it's a funny thing. People that take astrology, like in my diary that I do, you know, the lunar diary, right? I've got the moons and, and here's some suggested things you might want to do on particular moons, right? People go, oh, I, I need you to tell me exactly what to do on this moon, right? I, I need you to tell me exactly. And it's like, but that's not how it works, you know, for, for, for moon astrology anyway. So, like, it's really nice. Well, it's it tricky. Know. There's Frodo's and there's Gandalf's. I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> You know, yeah. and sometimes uh, like Bilbo, I guess maybe it's a better way to put it. It's like he was just going to wash dishes and smoke his pipe in the Shire the whole time. And like he had to be told what to th how to manifest his higher actualization, his individuation. And that's yeah. OK. That's what mentorship is for. I really yeah. do think Aquarians. I mean, like I said, I'm 11th house, sun and moon. So Aquarian yeah. flavored Gemini, I think. And Raphael's Libra, like he's, you know, a middle um, air sign with a north node in Aquarius, where I think that it's our job. I mean, my job in my eyes is to like learn and have yep. fun learning and have people get high off of my high of learning. Yes. Basically. Yes. So it's like secondhand yeah. smoke or something. And yes. in a sense, like when people start getting, I mean, this is funny because you were just talking about like the dogmatics of uh, paganism essentially or something yeah. like that. Um, it's, it's weird because I think, I, I mean, I'm 35. Mm. So it's like, I look mm. at it kind of syncretically. It's like a little more like jazz where it's like, look, there's, yeah. There's chord colors. I mean, I'm a musician, so it's like there's chords. Yeah. You know, what ma is it major, minor, what time and stuff? And then you kind of fill it in with what you want. And yeah. maybe that's a quality of the time we're in, whether it's a Kali Yuga and there's just a lot of yeah. static and people are trying to figure it out for their north node or their own, you know, north magnetic yeah. north. Or we've become so, you know, drunk on the wine of individualism and freedom and everything, which I'm not against. But it's like yeah. there's, you know, the pendulum has to swing at some point back to like, oh, there is a truth, for example, like. Right now, we're very much in postmodernism, straight up, where there's like there's all sorts of opinions about what's going on, and um, not it's very hard to have a settled reality in a sense. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, what's the fundament of reality? Like is the, like especially on DMT. Um, yeah. Uh, like you start seeing the holograph, like holographic layers, and it feels more yeah. real in a sense than here, and yeah. it's hard to convey that to other people. I'm kind of rambling, Gemini life, but um, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> about uh i mean how did you get into cards because you've got a shit ton of decks they're all beautiful i want to know like the kind of process where it's like did you just get an idea yeah. and then you're like i gotta crush this idea like okay this is the angle or because okay, i so love your animal oracle you do geek out and i appreciate it it's like i'm getting i'm learning it's almost like national geographic meets magic <laughs> thank you can i just tell you that's like the biggest compliment ever for me like nerding out that's great because i love national geographic right? well because it's not just feel good yeah. i mean it's high yeah. magic like oh the ravens mm. are going to bring news but it's not it doesn't just sit there it's like this is what they do and they show signs of knowing you know where yeah. uh they show displacement in their communication or whatever like all sorts of crazy stuff and it's like i ne it feels like i mean 
they're very awakening tools in an intellectual way. So for people yes. who are like Ravenclaw, yes. it'll turn you on to magic logically uh, through through the world of like factoids, I guess you could say. Yeah, because I think there's plenty of us out there, Jim. There's plenty of us that have a hunger for depth, right? So when uh, let me let me tell you, I'll answer your first question first, and then I can tell you about the process, right? So the the first question you you asked was like, how did you do get into these cards, right? So I I um, was working with gods and goddesses, and there wasn't quite a deck out there at the time on gods and goddesses was my first deck so I've got a deck called goddesses and sirens and gods and titans right and there wasn't a deck out there that kind of fit the bill for the way I wanted to teach okay so I was teaching a lot about deities and magic and you know in a modern way and you know so there really wasn't anything quite like it out there right so then I thought well bugger it as we say in Australia I will write my I'll have a crack at writing my own right I'll, I'll you know whether or not it ever gets published or anything doesn't matter I'll write you know 30 something little like if I was writing a deck myself I'd never written a deck but I thought you know if I did this is how it would be so I wrote both the goddesses and the gods, right, separate. So I had like that. And then a friend of mine at the time um, was uh, his his boyfriend was just starting in his sort of illustration um, career. How Aquarian. Uh, You're just like, oh, I found the crew at the bar and that was a band. <laughs> Now with the Beatles. And, and I told, well, he, the, the, the boyfriend, the, the person I knew was doing, you know, some of my graphic design. And I said, listen, mate, do you, do you know anyone who could, well, I've written this thing and I'm thinking of pitching it to a, my publisher and, uh, you know, at the time. And I, I don't, you know, this person needs to be able to be able to do kind of these sort of, you know, gods and goddess illustrations. And so he goes, well, actually, my boyfriend is working for game, you know, like gamers, gamers companies, game companies, and he does these really kind of real-looking things. And I said, well, can you ask him whether he'd be interested? Because what happens is, you know, you pitch it, you don't get any money, you know, if they if they, if they they buy the concept, well, yeah. Oh, I know how it goes. I, we can't, to we know how it goes. Well, some people may not know, but, like, it's, like, really hard to make money in this, in this you know, area. Bohemianism is underrated. Like, like the artists – the muse speaks to some and we're like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then people are like, all right, it's like a thousand dollars an hour or whatever the fuck. Yeah, like, exactly. Jesus right. Christ. How's this going to work? Yeah. Well, you, you get it. Right. So it's, it's kind of like, Oh, and I'd written, but you know, I basically got two decks written or up front. Right. So he goes, I'll ask him. So we get talking and this is a, this is a guy called Jimmy Manton now who does lots of stuff and, and he's not done anything before. So he does a couple of illustrations of some goddesses, and I think the first, like Athena, was the first one of the first ones. And you know, there was, a, there was, and they were really beautiful. So I said, look, I tell you what, why don't we pitch it to Blue Angel Publishing, Tony Salerno, and you know, he might say no, but we give it a crack. And so he's like, okay. So we basically go in, we make a pitch to Blue Angel Publishing, and we we lay like he goes. Were you wearing like a power suit or like some witchy shit? Like what were no, you? No, no, I wear like no suit, mate. Like a very nice 
twisted, like slightly, not terribly conservative, but definitely a suit. Um, and, you know, like, you know, like um, your um, uh, Kamala wore, like a cream suit. I never wear black suits because everyone expects witches to be all dark and velvet. And so I right. never, I was expecting like lace, like lingerie I know, or something. Just, That's what I was like, what like, would you wear? Pretty much like Pamela's suit, right? Like that sort of cream power suit, you know? Like so. Um. Anyway, so I I go in and Jimmy's cool, you know. He's he's got his you know his his illustrator sneakers on. He's 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 good. So we go in and we pitch this. And Tony is this very kind of beautiful Italian uh, French. Buddha-like creature who's very quiet, okay? So he's an introvert. And so Jimmy and I are going in there and, and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous and Jimmy's nervous and we're both talking too much, uh, which sometimes happens, right? And so we're laying it all out on the table and, and Tony listens to the pitch and then he says, so how far along are you? And I said, oh, I've written both decks. And he goes, oh, okay, and the illustrations and I said oh we've only got like 10 here the one the 10 that we had to show and then Tony Salerno goes yeah okay um I'll send you the contracts over and literally the meeting was 10 minutes and we both dope I know right and then I realized we kind of had something right when somebody it makes it easy and it seems you've been just churning them out since then. I mean, all sorts of kind of topics. My fiance has your moon uh, uh, deck. I'm forgetting uh, of the title now. She's, yeah, Queen of the Moon. This. Queen of the oh, Moon. Oh, that shit is beautiful. Thank like, you. I, I, just got, I just got it in Japanese. Would you believe it? Like, I was oh, Japanese I'm teaching deck. myself Japanese. That's hilarious. Um, uh, don't ask. I'm just kind of bored and I'm a Gemini. I'm like, well, well no, Japanese. If I can get a second copy, I'll send one over to you. So. Well, I don't know how to read it like that. Don't, don't <laughs> I just sit there and be like, what the hell does this say? So don't sweat that. Um, but no, the decks you've been doing have gone topicologically all over the place. Yeah. Um, Halloween decks, animal decks. Uh, yeah. You just dropped an elemental deck, like you were saying. Um, yeah. Fascinating, the art direction. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like, did you, you know, when you did the Gods and Titans yeah. and the, that stuff, yeah. were you like, yo, this is a new thing. I'm in. I can make this. Yeah, I, I so can apply I this formula make- anywhere. Yeah, so so um, as you have talked about, every deck is really different, okay? So I want to make it very different, right? So the gods and titans. Staggeringly different. All yeah. the aesthetics, all the kind of Everything data. is different. Like, so Jimmy's done a few. Um, then I work with an illustrator called Kinga Britschke, who is, um, she she lives in, would you believe, in, um, in uh, Idaho, but she's uh, Hungarian. And um, Kinga and I... Uh, the last sort of four decks have been Kinga and I. So we're, you know, we're, you know, we love working together. She's awesome. And that kind of like you're saying that, you know, the images you really like, like Kinga does this sort of very surreal work. And, you know, hyper realistic, almost but, photographic, yeah, but, but really also surreal. psychedelic and yeah, magical. Really it's beautiful. I love because, you know, like the, the, our process is kind of like, you know, with the element deck, right? I said, oh, listen, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this deck on the elements. But, you know, when people think about the elements in witchcraft, they think of earth, air, fire, water and the four directions, and that's pretty much it. And I said, but when you go into the history of the elements across different cultures, you see that it, it's so much deeper than that. And if we look at science now, 
um, you know, we can now measure the elements. We know, for example, there's a biome on the earth. We only knew that there was a core, you know. So there's all sorts of things that, you know, I wanted to make this very modern, very sciencey, um, and had that alchemy of magic and science. And King is like, oh, that sounds great because, wow, look at the layering we can put in there visually. Um, and we had a great time doing this deck because, you know, I'd say, oh, you know, what about the biome? Yeah, I've got a good idea for that. You know, like I want to think of it like skin, you know, like the skin of the of the planet. And, you know, we talk about Gaia's this. follicles or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool, right? So that so when you when you look at the cards, you know, they're, they're super cool, like, um, you know, when we looked at the directions, this idea of, you know, like you're saying the North Node, not the North Star North, right? I wanted it to be, um, you know, I wanted it to certainly have the, um, or, or, you know, the the aurora, you know, the green sky. That's the sort of, you know, like so I will say to her, here's the, here's the, the cards, here's what they stand for, and if I've got very strong views on or an idea of how it could could be I'll mention it to her but otherwise I'm you know like we keep coming back to stars but very you let her jam basically. yeah go go make weave whatever you want to put into it you know so it's so do you have veto power I mean is that hard where you're like you know what I really don't like the penguins in this one. <laughs> um it's it, well, I don't really think about it like veto like I might go hey I'm not sure about that because the symbology might be a bit off you know, that would be... No dragons only, with Thor. Yeah, no dragons with Thor. Um, but, you know, that would be it. Like this deck that we're kind of considering at the moment um, doing together, um, you know, like we're just throwing up ideas because we've got kind of two or three ideas and we're like, uh, you know, which one do we go with, you know? And we we went, you know, we said to our, you know, publisher, in this case Rockpool, and, and said... Um, Hey, here's the three ideas, um, and the and the publisher said, "Oh, I love the three of them. Which one do you want to do?" And so we kind of scuttled back, you know, <laughs> which one do we want to do? Which one will we have more fun with? And I think that at the moment, I want things to be pleasure led and interest led and curiosity led. You know, like if if I come up with an idea and Kinga goes, "Oh no, I don't think I really want to work on that." I wouldn't. If it's not in her highest joy sector. I wouldn't like, do it. It's a hard like, pass. Seriously, yeah. yeah, I see this as a real weaving of both of us, so I wouldn't do it. Like, I like there was a kind of an idea I had, and I went, what do you reckon about that? And she goes, oh, I like the other one better. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. We'll do the other one. You know, so you want to go for the electric stuff where, where it inspires yeah. you, and that's usually where there's fractals hidden within it. Like, it can birth itself in a sense. Yeah. You're the not having to struggle. The momentum of it, you know, like, so the element – deck you know has this sort of speed and pressure and momentum and you know has all this gravity you know has all those things in it right and uh once we we started it was a really quick deck you know like it was a big deck for me to write but like you know the the process was was very smooth and easy like there was no um no cards at all that we kind of went oh, no, no writer's block just been like no. what the fuck do we do no. So I, here, I'm not I trying to put you on the spot with this. I'm kind of curious because the new deck you're saying elements that go beyond even like metal of the Chinese yeah. and stuff like that. It's going into like things we're aware of now um, mm. in in juxtaposition to what we were talking about earlier, where we were talking about uh, there being kind of 
principles and don't stray too far from them. How yeah. do you look at the furtherance of our information gathering skills and, you know, um, like awareness of reality as such quantum physics, dark matter, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think you're kind of more in a, are you describing reality with more refined uh, nuances of the frequencies that, you know, like red and they use mm. red, green, blue originally. And now you're like Jade and, yeah. you know, chameleon green or you know are you just kind of do you see it not as so much uttering new new uh versus like do you see what i'm trying to say like you're, yeah, it doesn't no, seem no, like you're coming out of your ass what with it what like, you're trying to say i love it um I, I think i tell you what you know when you 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 know you your show's called you know like the team rabbit hole right you go down the rabbit hole um i feel like yeah well, i feel like i'm going not only deeper down the rabbit hole but I'm seeing more as I go down the rabbit hole and I'm going wider down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, it's the, I, I like to think every deck I'm doing is, um, has more finesse about it. It, it is, uh, it, 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 look, decks, you know, like books are not for everyone, right? People are going to love a deck or not love a deck or, you know, they're, they're going to love a book or not love a book, you know, they're, you know, and really um, I've had to, as a writer, as a creatrix, I've had to kind of understand that that has very little to do with me. <laughs> so I will. That's write, a big lesson. Not taking the gallery's opinions personally, essentially. It's huge for me as a like individual, really like, you know, very personally, Jim, it's, um, for me, like this idea of um, moving past what other people think or um, being a witch is a big part of that because people have this um, very big preconceived idea of what witches are. It's different. It's it's changing, you know, and I and that's one of the reasons Thankfully. I'm you know yeah you're and, a big part of that i want to say like you've mm. you've given like a lot of ammunition to people to be able to pursue the genius of uh you know paganism essentially yeah. in a modern uh you know postmodern whatever context yeah. uh yeah. so you should pat yourself on the back you're doing a really good job in terms of just inspire both inspiring aesthetically i'm an art history dropout so when i see your cards yeah. i'm like uh depending you know all the cards are beautiful yeah. some of them like really speak at a level that is I mean, it's fucking high magic. It's crazy. It's like, I mean, sigils are cool, and that's like the best thing they were doing back in the day because that was the yeah. best of the graphic art medium that they could really do. But now you're starting to incorporate, um, I don't know, there's just a way. It seems like, uh, I mean, the, the mental image that's coming to mind is like um, journeying to the center of the earth or something like that, and you're getting better footholds as you go deeper, and it seems you're getting closer to who you are, in a sense, yeah. through these things. So yeah. it feels, to me, like watching or just looking around at um, – what your output is and even the tone of some of your decks uh that you're it's a process of rediscovery in a sense but that's like kind of what the whole trip is i guess like exactly we're right exactly and look it's it's really funny you you have to temper that with you know kind of the boundaries that are out there you know so for example you've got the you've got the animal deck right so when i submitted that manuscript you know it's a fat booklet right it's a lot of information okay it's this you know it's a it's a big deck right and 
my the first thing that my I've got to uh, say reading the turtle the honu in Hawaiian uh yep. card is always so hard because oh. the Hawaiian deities I'm like oh yeah. my god <laughs> yes. I was like does she read these or is she like copy pasted this shit like I have no clue yeah yeah so it's, it's a lot it's right? and, and you know and and you know I've got you know wonderful um you know Hawaiian elders my beautiful aunties over there who who, you know, I check all the information with and, you know, I'm, you know, is this right? Is, you know, I'm not not stepping on anyone's toes, you know, like, is this okay? So you, you know how big it is, okay? So when I submitted that manuscript, um, my publisher went, whoa, that, wow, this is big. I don't know whether we can have a booklet that big. We've never had a booklet that big. And I'm like, does that mean you can't have a booklet that big because you've never had a booklet that big before? I said, like, what, like, my readers expect a certain level of, you know, good, solid factoid information, as you, you put it, you know. More and than I, a sentence is nice. Yeah, you got yeah, paragraphs. Yeah, right? and, and, um, especially with this deck, right? There's other decks that you can sort of be a bit lighter with, but not this one, right? And And so we had this kind of, discussion about how much they were going to edit down the work okay and i have never probably cutting off the fingers of your child essentially oh yeah and i don't really i mean there's i always think with um writing there's things that you fight for with your editor and things that you just let go like you know pick your pick your uh, fights right but this was like they hadn't even read it like, so it was kind of like, oh, this is a fat, this is huge. Like, oh, you know, we're going to have to chop it up before you even read it. And so I managed to kind of say to them, look, why don't you read it, give it to the editor, and why don't we have a conversation after they've read it? Okay? Like, just don't think about how big it is. You'll see why it's necessary. Okay? Just because of the way I've done it. And they're like, okay, all right. And then, you know, three weeks later the edit comes back and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, we understand what you're trying to do. All right, uh, all right, well, just this mean we're going to have to design things a bit differently. So we, you know. Way to like, push the industry. I mean, that's the point. Aquarius is all about genius and sometimes they're the mad scientists in the shed, you know, being like, <laughs> we can build Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but you got to, like, you know, try. Yeah, let, let's let's do the Japanese fast train instead, right? So, so you know, this is. This is kind of um, it's it's kind of weird, like like where there's when you don't know that there is kind of ways of things being done. You know, it's good. Like I I have kind of kept like you know this idea of the hermit, which I love. That what a great card that was pulled at the beginning of this. At the you know like I I don't want to look like I don't Google myself. I don't look at what other people are doing. Um, I I love art like you do, you know, so I'll go to the galleries, I'll have, you know, I, I love um, in particular Australian Aboriginal art. Um, I have, a, you know, it's fantastic. So I will often, you know, I, I'm often out at a gallery or I, you know, um, I, I'm kind of, you know, very involved in that sort of visual medium. Um, but I certainly... Um, don't really, and I, you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm not a great big fiction, you know, reader. So it's it's kind of like people are like, oh, you know, this person or your deck, you know, is very different than this person's. And, you know, like, and I'm like, dude, I have no idea who they are. 
Right, I've got Zero no fucks. idea. That's yeah, the like, Aquarian I vibe. Like I mean, it's like, oh, word. Yeah. <laughs> so then that's no disrespect to anyone. It's just kind of like, uh, you know. You don't have time to swerve lanes. I mean, in a sense, like, yeah. if you look at what other people do, it's good to be aware, I guess, at some level, because yeah, in a sense, yeah. we're all standing on the shoulders of each other cool. quantumly or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But at some level, it's like, you know, uh, Beethoven, it's tricky. Like, I, I really do think Aquarius is genius. I mean, it's the alien, which is ironic yeah. to me. There's the hermit alien card. Yeah. But um, it's definitely something where it has to... I mean, you've got like the, um, you know, it's like Neo with like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like you could learn some jujitsu, I guess, but it's like, you've mastered Kung Fu internally. So you might as well kick ass doing it. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it, that goes back to this idea that you were talking about earlier about sometimes people let their ideas go early and somebody will say, oh, you can't do it like that. And so things get. Pearls to swine, as they say. Yeah, they get, but they get, they get aborted. You know, like people are like, oh, this little baby that I've, I've got in my head that's growing. People, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so they don't. It's like Disney World started with a fucking mouse. This is it, right? And a very badly drawn mouse at that, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know. Um, so I'm so, kind of curious. I, I know you had a little time. Do you have like. Five, ten more minutes? Or do you got a tip now? I've got ten more minutes. That'd be great. Perfect, perfect. Um, Rafa, we've been really quiet. I think that means he's having fun. But if you have any questions, obviously, <laughs> chip in. I mean, this is like I swear. It feels like I'm on the back of a school bus. And I'm just like, yo, let's talk yeah, about Yeah, I love whatever. You guys are cool. You guys are cool. I've, I've, I've watched your show and listened – well, I've listened to the podcast. I watch you do your cards. And I, you're, you're very cool people. Well, what can we say? Aquarian energy all up in here. So um, – <laughs> I'm kind of curious what you think the direction of like, all right. So it seems like one of the best parts about being alive right now is that yep. we're kind of synthesizing so many levels of things mm. ho like holographically. So although I very much appreciate what you're saying, where Maui is Maui, Maui is not Thor. Thor is not Mercury. Mm. Mercury you know, it's like, but there's a syncretic kind of thing going on. Do you think yep. we're forming new mythos? Like, how does that yes. look? Um, in a Terrence great? McKenna sense, like, cause I think we're hitting yeah. a point where, I mean, I'm into Gene Keys. I don't know if you're into that, but Richard Rudd and just different things. It feels like we're at a, an evolutionary pivot point, um, yeah. in consciousness. And I'm not saying, you know, not all the animals are probably going to get on the arc and I'm yeah. not like saying that in a hateful way, but it's like, I think some yeah. people are tapping into magic and yeah. quantum crow creatorship and all sorts of cool stuff. And then some people are just like, yo, I want to watch, you know, soccer and drink beer, which is fine. <laughs> if that's their karma, what, you know, I'm not even caring at this point, but it's like some people really want to like go to Mars or, you know, yeah. do whatever. So yeah. um, I'm kind of curious as, as to somebody who both takes seriously the archetypal, I guess, you know, yeah. prehistory of whatever humans have been dealing with, what do you think is appropriate in the future? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, is the Marvel kind of superhero thing about as – is that starting to push it into just like consumeristic and like too relatable? Are these – you know, is, is myth something we should keep reverent with? Like how, how does this look like as monkeys today? Okay. So there's so much you've just said like that's like lighting up my brain. It's great. So a um, couple of things I think. One is all of us human beings – so if you, if you look at ancient – um, societies and you look at say stories coming out from you know 4,000 years ago art coming out from longer you know you, you see that we haven't changed all that much <laughs> right so you know like if you look at ancient Roman graffiti the hardware is like 150,000 years old 
Bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> the it's software's right? been changing, so, but so people are still whinging about how slow the donkey is. You know, like when they travel, people are still whinging that the food is bad where they go. You know, like they miss their wives and husbands. Um, you know, the, that someone robbed them on the way to the store. You know, like when you look, you know, like if you look at um, Mary Beards, uh, who's a historian, a Roman historian, she did this great book on Roman ancient Roman graffiti and people are still writing you're a dick on the walls, you know? like it's I think I've just, seen this. It's like pretty much just like street slang, like, like fuck this guy. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, you know, only it's Spartacus, fuck Spartacus rather than fuck. George, you know, like so. So it, it, it we, we haven't kind of changed all that much. However, this until thing, maybe the internet age, right? That's right. So this is it, right? But we have this this incredible kind of hero's journey, this arc, right? That still we can be. The, the thing that I'm kind of interested in is is how are we going to grow, right? Where are we going? Is it going to be this sort of beautiful kind of idea of civic mindedness? Is it like the connection of village to village that we're all on one planet? You know, that that whole sort of matrix feel that everything is, you know, everything is connected. Or are we going to go down the highly, like you were talking about, this highly individualistic thing where only we matter and only our needs and wants and values matter, right? And I think we're at this incredible turning point right now. I'm really happy to be alive because I'm kind of, I feel like a little bit like, and we all should feel this way, that we're kind of conduits, right? We're kind of conduits of the electricity of the future, right, passing through us, the old and the new, and what are we creating? We're all creators and creatrixes, right? But what are we going to create, right? What What is it, right? And, like, it's cool to sit there and watch TV and watch the footy and eat popcorn and just don't do anything that's all right that's like you're saying people that's fine but there are there are dreamers out there there always have been there are people that want to change the future that want to look very carefully big and small into things that you know are seeing things like you know you use words like 3d and the matrix and you know quantum physics and you know like all sorts of stuff um you know there are hackers and there are muggles is kind uh, of what it and nothing wrong with the muggles, you know, like. Oh, we need them but, to know, you know what like, magic is. Like, yeah, but I I kind of look at um, just the magic of some of, you know, what we've called science, you know. That, that to me is where the future kind of is, this beautiful mix of science and magic, right? So, like, I'll give you an example, right? My husband is, is like a muggle, right? So he's he's an anaesthetist. So you call them anesthesiologists, um, but he does a kind of special. Well, in an abstract way, he's kind of like Morpheus and then he puts people into the dream realm. This is but... like, talk about this all the time, right? So he knows all the mythos of sleep and all the sleep gods. He's like, whatever, how's about... the football team doing? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so, but he um, is does this sort of special stuff where he does – nerve blocks right where they pass electricity through nerve cells to block certain parts of the brain and pain centers and that kind of thing so anesthetists don't just put you to sleep specialist anesthetists do these really cool things where people uh, that are completely awake and conscious can have say uh, brain surgery to areas of their brains where the surgeon needs to know that you know they're not cauterizing the wrong bit and they won't be able to move their is hand. Is that meridian-based tech? Like, eat, well, like, 
kind or of. Not so much. Some of the meridians they share, but it's actually nerve-based. Okay, so let let you know. I'm going to use his words, right? But to do that, they do it with electrical charge. Okay, so when you talk to my husband about, you know, people go, oh, you guys must be really different, which is such an insult to both him and me, you know, because it means that he is. He has no spirit and I have. You're more practical right. than people think and he's more yeah, spiritual. Yeah, right, yeah. So he he goes, oh, no, well, we're we're electric, right? Like so human beings are run on electricity. And he goes and he explains how every cell has an electric charge running through it and, you know, and then, then this gets to con- questions of consciousness and then it gets to questions of, you know, what does he think life is? Right, and to hear a scientist because he lectures all over the world in the area that he he's in. He's a really smart guy, but he's also you know very connected to nature, and he's very, you know, he's a surfer and he's a skier, and you know he's a very sensual person in those elements. Right, so to to hear someone like that talk about electricity, to talk about consciousness, because he deals in consciousness every single day. Basically, he kills you and wakes you up. That's what. <laughs> that's what anesthetic is, you know. Um, to hear that uh, is kind of like listening to somebody talk about magic, right? And this was one of the reasons that I decided to do the Elemental Oracle, Jim, because I listened to my husband talk about electricity, right? And, you know, there's no way that you could, anyone could call him a, you know, woo-woo or some sort of, you know, uh um, witch or, you know, it, it, none of that, right? But to hear him speak of it, you wouldn't understand, like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between, you know, so- someone like me talking about, you know, alchemy and someone like him talking about how the body uses electricity, right? So this is where I think if we're smart, we can go down this road where it's not an either or. So, you exactly. know. Exactly. It's quantum. Right? It's both. Yeah, in. exactly. So in in Ancient Greece, you know, what did they teach? Logos and mythos, right, woven together, like logos, logic, mythos, the mythos, right? It was not a verses. It was like two hands joining together, and we've forgotten how to do that, right? Well, it seems between people's proclivities, like their natures. So, like, I mean, more because Saturnian, Capricorn, a kind of person might be like, yo, I want to work and I want to achieve and I want to, you know, whatever. And that might not, you know, whereas a Pisces or Cancers and things like I want to dream and be one with Gaia and like all that kind of stuff. So it and, and the funny thing to me, I think, is maybe it's a byproduct of consumerism or just, yeah. you know, nation state building or yeah. whatever the fuck's going on. But like having preferences at the exclusion of other things seems to be problematic where it's like, look, you can like zebras and that doesn't mean like the lions suck. Yes. And we're not talking to each other. Right. So I'm looking, you know, from afar at, you know, I'm in Australia and I'm looking at what has been happening in America, right? And we love you guys. We have a close relationship, you know, for a really historical Yay, colonial uh, Right, yeah, right. And, yeah, right. So so we've got a lot in common. And, you know, some of your culture, you know, is, is, is very much some of our culture. Um, but this versus mentality that you can't, you know, you can't be Republican and have some Republican views and have some Democrat views, like you have to be completely extreme at opposite ends of the spectrum and that we can't talk together. Like, yes, I get, you know, being a very rational person, I get, you know, very, um, I don't like this 
this sort of um, the mishandling of truth, as my mother calls it. <laughs> um, but but I I do I do wish that there could be discussions, you know, good robust discussions. So uh, without us wanting to kill each other, right? This is something that we used to be able to do. But the internet and the way that um, the algorithms work and the way we're fed, you know, our, you know, a reflection of ourselves over and over again, um, we've forgotten how to have good discourse. So, again, if we go back to sort of, you know, ancient Greece or ancient Rome, you're in the Agora and you and I could stand on our soapboxes pretty much or stand under the gym, you know, the you know, get out the front of the gym and start having a a conversation with anyone in the in the um, the agora, the, the square, and we can we can have talks about anything we want, and everyone would. It's like the internet, but face to face, so no one's you know being horrible particularly to each other. No one's bashing anyone. Or they do call you know, it internet forums for a reason. The forum was exactly a place where you could exchange ideas. Exactly right. But what the you, problem is, people have become so identified and attached their ideas that they can't and and sensitive to if another idea overtake we look at it as like until like you know um mind war or something yes. so it's, you and know it it's like if your virus overtakes mine i'm fucked uh-huh. so i have to identify with this it's tricky in a weird way i think it's causally necessary like we've had yeah. to develop what truth is and perspectives and now we're kind of like fracturing the rainbow in a way and everyone's yeah, like i exactly. do whatever i want and it's like okay well it was you were always doing whatever you wanted but you didn't have the programming capabilities like you had to be given certain archetypes and understandings like i i don't know how you feel about this but it's like in a weird kind of hindu way i guess it's like everything's exactly where it should be always and the the dream just kind of fractals and does weird shit and there's polarity so it's like you know sometimes you have dark ages and witches being burned which is an expression of certain Um, archetypes and sometimes you have you know uh cam girls and paganism being really hot now or whatever today is. I don't even yeah. know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. people just tapping into a different level of what being human is. I don't even know if we've ever known what, like human is a moving target. It seems. Yeah. But it, but shouldn't it be, you know, we've got these big sort of expansive brains and like my, like, you know, for, for the deck, for the animal deck. Right. One of the things I, I did was, and you know, this because of the geeking out is that I, I would talk, try and if I didn't have enough information on an animal, I would actually try and find out who was the key person to speak to about that animal, right? So there's a hyena dude, right, for example, who is the expert on hyenas and you can contact the hyena dude and basically say, hey, I've got a question, sorry, but would you help me out here, right? And part of part of this is that... Um, you're asking the question, right? You're asking these big questions of people, right, that there are experts in the world, right, through internet, through, com- you know, like commercial channels, you know, whatever you want to, you know, whatever way. But we we don't do it, Jim. We don't – the average person doesn't do that, right? We don't – Well, we, we got to be the way source. We're like, yo, you can hack and, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that hard, but people don't think it's either practical – they're either too lazy or too afraid. Basically, I mean, that just seems to be the motivators. And some people are so crazy in a good way that they don't realize they, you know, they might die flying close to the sun (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) It's like, yo, I want to see how high I could go. Let's let's see how far I can go. We've got to, you've got to have people like that that stretch humanity, right? That give that, 
neural push, right? And and you know, and and also that are the lessons for the rest of us, like you know, guys going up in balloons and crashing, you know, to the earth, and you're Terrible. like, okay, all right, I'm not doing that, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's the cutting edge of novelty <laughs> in a McKenna sense, right? Yeah, so it's like there's novelty. Who, who like think about it, right? There was somebody who ate the first mushrooms, right? Okay, so. This one is a good mushroom, this one kills you, and this one gives you a trip. Excellent. Okay? So we've got to pass that down. Now we're in this really weird stage, I think, where we're not real sure about all of that. Like we've got to have people that push the barriers. We always have, right? But we're in this really weird stage where everyone can watch, Jim. You know, like that's the thing. Like, you know, millions of people can watch you crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. I think the trick is not to worry about it. David Bowie says something yeah. like, don't play to the gallery. It's like, yo, you just got to swing your swing and, like, you know, be in the zone, yeah. which is kind yeah. of somewhere and between that's, fear. That's and... Look, you know, coming back to that idea of what, you know, like people were like, why don't you ever look at what, you know, it's like because I don't, I want to do my own thing and I don't, I don't want to be distracted by, you know, other other people like David Bowie has just said, you know, you, you play for yourself, play for however you want to to be you know and that's why the decks you know that's why my work is so um broad i guess because it's sort of like what do i want to write about next pleasure led you know curiosity led and i just wish more people could be doing that you know rather than worrying about what other people think you know it's um well hopefully that can be an aggregate of thought where we're starting to lead with inspiration and um curiosity like you're saying yeah. i think that's the best way to go and the people who have done that have, have you know whether it's galileo or yeah artemis or whoever yeah. it's like people have pushed the boundaries and those boundary pushers there's a price to be paid to play that level of the game but i think it's well worth it i mean charlie and the chocolate factor the guys is eccentric everyone's like who the fuck is that guy but he's having a great time inside he's just like yeah, yeah you can lick it's my wallpaper there is a price to pay you know it is hard being first it is hard being the... But what a privilege, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, 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 you know, I think a lot of people don't want to be the pioneer. I mean, I, I enjoy being the pioneer. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, I like breaking the barriers a little bit. Um, but, you know, that, that's just me, you know. So, I mean, anyone out there who is, is creating anything and you're worried about, like, is this is this too different? To, don't even worry about. It. Just do it. Create it. You know that. Even if that, Thor has dragons. Even if Thor has dragons, but uh, so this know. is where the paradox of reality kicks in. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a middle, it's a middle path thing, right? So it's like you can't. Yeah, totally you know. create it. Like good for you know, like everyone should. It's it's out there, right? So create it. But again, it comes back to will it resonate with everyone, right? Is it is is it for is it you know is it Again, and then we're coming into like, oh, God, you know, like this is so huge, isn't it? We're coming into appropriation, you know, like. Well, we'll okay, like, so that's a presupposition. We're, yeah. what, if one was to think like we're in an Akashic thing and we all hack everything and we're just kind of on different trips. Like, yeah. This is where pride kicks in in a bad way, I think, where people yeah. become attached culturally. And it's yeah. weird because it had to be birthed through them. So like, thank you for birthing the child. But at some point it turns into like. Pink Floyd's the wall <laughs> where the mom is just way too involved and it's like, oh, this is going to destroy whatever. So it's tricky. And yeah. especially as a white guy, it's got it's hard to talk about appropriation in general because it's like I live yeah. on the shoulders of everybody. Oh, my God. Exactly. So, exactly. Right. So but I think, you know, like somebody asked me the other day about, oh, 
you know, the mythos, some of this mythos and, and, and you know, like is it appropriating it? And, it, and it's kind of like, well, if this is a story of a culture that, you know, is is living, you know, like there's a, you know, someone tells me a story. So like, so for example, because people know I write about mythos, sometimes someone will tell me a story uh, from a culture and I'll, I'll stop them as they're telling me in the beginning and I'll go, is this just for me or is this something I can share? Right? Well, that's and fucking I, responsible. I have, yeah. I mean, that's so responsible. Really Most people are not thinking that yeah. way. Yeah, I'm really careful, right? And and so I would say 90% of the time, someone, oh, no, no, you can share this. But there are some cultures where they're just telling you this because that you've you've and respect or you've asked or you're at the place and it's it's okay to talk about it at the very place but not anywhere else and so they'll go no no this is just for you and you go cool and never ever have I broken that trust never ever because I'm privileged to hear that story of that culture or that place you know that's a sacred kind of contract in a way right never have I broken that so. I'm really lucky because, you know, when I am researching now, um, you kind of get vouched for because you are responsible with people's stories, you know. Um, someone will say, you know, oh, it's okay, you can tell her because she doesn't tell, right, which is a good at, which is a good at holding secrets. You know, one of the vows we take when we're dedicated is actually the vow of silence, right, which is we we take very seriously a you know a, a witch who's holding her vows um is a is a good person to talk to because they will never never um they'll keep your story confidential for sure All right so it's it's interesting right so so um the thing that i don't yeah like there is a lot of ego there is a lot of you know uh, um weirdness around this now where again this is some area that we're all trying to work through but it's not up to me as a you know, a mixed, you know, we call them bitses here. I'm sort of a bitzer. I'm, you know, I've got bits of this country, bits of this genetics. Uh, and I live in a country that is, like you're saying, colonialised, like, you know, your country. Um, you know, what is my cultural background then? You know, because I live in this place that had traditional owners for 60,000 years. We are, my country, Australia, has, you know, our um, First Nations people are the oldest continuing culture on the planet. So what kind of ownership <laughs> can I possibly state here? All right, well, you know, the more I work deeply with my own country and land, the more I notice nature, the more I weave with it, the deeper I can go, you know, and it's not therefore about ownership but of no one can own land that's how our people consider it our first nations people and i think your first nations people have a very similar view that you know the the land isn't to be owned it's it's part of us right and it's a very different paradigm um so you know my view on pagans in this area and i you know i'm going to make a big statement here is that I think the environmental mess that we're in at the moment, the ignorance of, of you know, climate change and, you know, all that sort of stuff, pagans can change the world. If we all had a pagan view, 
if we all understood the depth of the pagan view of the earth and the elements and all that, if we could adopt even a fraction of that, we would stop doing the damage that we would do. Like, I think that's like the moral of the story of Avatar. I mean, it's, it's yeah, right. It's I, like, like, I watched Avatar the first time I saw it. I was like, you know, judge me, but like uh, I bawled. I sat there and bawled. You know, I cried. I, I was just like, God, here's bloody Jim Cameron of all people comes up with this story that is very close to, you know, a lot of the indigenous people I've spoken to, you know. So, it's crazy. I know we could wax on forever. I don't want to take I up know. your life. Um, I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about, so we're going to have to get you back on here at some point. Um, thank you so much for your time. You're dope as fuck. Keep doing your thing. You're mm -hmm. an inspiration, but also like a mentor and a student of life too. So I really do appreciate your, uh, not only your work ethic and you kind of getting out there as a woman, as a pig and all these things, um, but really kind of making it fun and cool and interesting. Like it's not just, it's so much at once. So people, if they haven't checked out Stacey DeMarco's stuff, check out her stuff. She's got a flavor uh, for you for sure somewhere in her quiver of options of creative output. So I really do appreciate you for uh, giving this the time. Uh, and I guess if there's any kind of parting thought that you would want to leave our listeners with, feel free. Um, we'll put all your links like um, Modern Witch kind of stuff uh, in the links. Um, but yeah, the conscious yours. Oh, gosh. Um this is there's not just one thing, but um, I think be thoughtful and kind and connect with nature as deeply as you can. That's what I would say to do. Yeah. And thank That's you. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. definitely. Definitely. I'll have to give you a reading. Hit me up. We'll talk on the side. I won't blast you up yeah. all the time. So don't feel like I'll harass you or anything. But you're cool as fuck. Soul Tribe for sure. I mean, there's so much to say, but yeah, you know, Reaper from Narnia series is further up and further in. That's a big thing for me. It's like, y'all, the fractal's deepening. Like this, <laughs> Doctor, this Doctor Strange up in here. Just go deeper. Like, check it I out. I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Fascinating listening to you. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you all for listening, as always. Uh, thank you again and enjoy yourselves. Radio Pokey.